being young, I didn't have that tool set yet. So I'm stuck in that anxiety and I'm not turning in projects and I'm not starting things and knowing you're different. You know there's something about you that your flavor, your brain flavor doesn't match the others, right? Like I see a lot of vanilla and you know, nothing wrong about it, but you know it's different and don't know what that means. You don't know how to rationalize it. 80 Rewired, episode 204. This is the show designed for those of us with really good intentions, but a slightly wandering attention. My name is Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, coach, and speaker. The website is ADHDrewired.com. We know that starting is the hardest part, so let's get started. But first, let me tell you about this. Because of this group, I was reactive. I always responded to every stimuli that found its way into my consciousness. But now I'm proactive. I think ahead. I'm prepared. I think about time way in advance. And I have a North Star on which to aim myself. Including today, February 6th, there are only four more early registration days for this spring's coaching and accountability groups. Registration is by appointment only, and you must schedule your call and register before February 15th to get early registration pricing. My calendar is filling up, so availability is not guaranteed, so don't wait. Go to coachingrewired.com to learn more about these groups and to schedule your call. That's Coaching Rewired. The ADHD Women's Palooza started yesterday, February 5th, and it goes through Saturday, February 10th. This online event is open to men and women and any non-binary gender identity with a focus on women's issues around ADHD. It's free to register. Attend all broadcasts for free and for up to 24 hours after they air. Can't attend live? No problem. Purchase the Encore package to download all the sessions in audio and video formats and watch or listen to them when it works for you. Here's a tip. Create a syllabus for yourself and watch one a day or one or two a week until you're through. You won't want to miss this great lineup, which includes 33 of the top experts in ADHD, including Lori Dupar, Roberta Olivardia, Sari Solda, Nikki Kinzer, Elaine Taylor-Klaus, Ari Tuckman, Alan Brown, Terry Matlin, Kathleen Nadeau, Thomas Brown, Casey Dixon, Jeff Copper, Rick Green, Melissa Orlov, Kim Kensington, Stephanie Sarkis, Ned Hallowell, and me. My session is on Saturday. To learn more and to register for free, go to ADHDrewired.com slash palooza. That's P-A-L-O-O-Z-A. Welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired. Today's guest is here, not in the virtual studio, but actually in my office. And I want to thank you for giving me the motivation yesterday for actually cleaning up crap that has been sort of sitting in the corners for several months that I stopped seeing, knowing that you were going to be here today. So thank you for that. That is no problem. And thank you for getting, uh, you know, primed and prepped for me. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> 
So today's guest is Matt Beardsley. Matt is a husband, father, friend, and fellow brain. In his professional life, he works as a technology, he works in technology as a site reliability engineer. And since his diagnosis in April of 2017, Matt has been able to go on a deeper journey of self-discovery, finding along the way himself. It's a good thing to find. <laughs> and the community he cherishes. Matt, welcome. Welcome to Glenview. Yes, thank you. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. All right. All right. So uh, where where should we start? You want to start with some of your 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 journey, your your yeah. story? I mean, I figure we'll we'll set the way back machine. We'll we'll dial it all the way back and the origin, right? So growing up and being told all the time, he's a sensitive child. He's sensitive, right? And that would then elicit a reaction in me of I'm not sensitive. Right. This <laughs> this whole this whole no, not sensitive. Not a sensitive child. What would that look like? Do you do you remember? Oh, through tears. Like generally so there would be some reaction. I, I was easily embarrassed, right? Or I was easily scared of mm -hmm. things, right? And I remember well my my dad a lot would say, well, he's sensitive, right? And that would just it set me off because I'm already at an excited emotional state, right? And then, I mean, even four years old, right? There's, there's this whole thing of these overwhelming emotions uh -huh. that, especially at four, right? Like you are hardly aware of your own autonomy, right? Like there's part of growing up as a human, like that's one thing that you're learning, right? You're understanding the world around you and your place in it, but you don't really have a frame at all for what these powerful yeah. emotions are. There's no word for it, right? And there's no, and this is things that then follow into adulthood too, right? This is still something that I reflect on regularly is when am I having those moments where my frustration is purely because I can't put context or frame around what I'm feeling right now, right? Like there, there are these moments that crop up like that. And it's just like, four-year-old me be I'm not sensitive right it's I don't know how to say I'm scared of this thing or like I'm embarrassed but you know like those are hard things to grasp right and it's still hard things to reflect on those emotions right so growing up it's the classic poor performance in school right like I was always given mean, classic report card of an ADHD child of not applying, lacking follow through, not living up to my potential, or I would hear sometimes uh, that I could be methodical, right? There's this sometimes of being afraid to make mistakes, mm. too, right? That there's perfectionism. That, that perfectionism, right? There's, and there's different ways that that shows itself. And sometimes that shows in delaying and you know, being methodical, oh, thinking, thinking, right? Overthinking, mm -hmm. right? I'm and, good at that. Right, right. Like, I always say, if there's something that can be overthought, I can overthink it. Right, right. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's an easy that's an easy route to go down, right? Spin those wheels in the mud, like no problem. And I was, you know, there'd be this poor performance in school, but then I would also be recognized for my ability. So it created that cycle of being put into advanced or gifted classes and then taken out and put in and taken out. And there, I have this feeling that 
there is there's a recognition of ability, right? There is a lack of understanding of how to encourage that ability in a child. This happens a lot because we are put into a system that really values like a workhorse ability, right? Like you can sit and compliance, compliance, yeah, compliance, and and uh, reflection too. Like not necessarily understanding, but but reflection, regurgitation, right? Like um, mm-hmm. being able to repeat, that's valued. And then, so it is seen by others, like there are other, you know, the teachers, they can see that this child understands, you know, there there's a level that they operate that they, yeah, they really dig in. There are things that they know, that they really get to the why, right? They really get, and they root in deep. They want to get to the understanding of why. Mm-hmm. So you then put that child in an environment you think, okay, yeah, no, they need the gifted, they need, but what that is then you, is your, it's an acceleration, not of getting to the why or understanding or researching, right? It's a, just another lane. It's another workhorse, another lane on the highway. Okay. Right. And then, so you get there and the performance isn't what they expect. Right? And then, so getting bumped again hurts. I mean, that is a, that's a huge hit. That's a, that's a failure. That is a massive failure. When you say getting bumped, what do you mean? Getting dropped back Mm. into regular classes, right? So gifted to back to standard, advanced classes to standard and Mm. um, knowing. What was it that, that had the the bump occur? Was it like not turning homework or stuff like that? Yeah. So the one that stung the most was, and it, Favorite memory I have. Mm. So I was in, I I generally excelled in math and science. Those were, those are my areas. And I feel like. Sounds uh, just like me. (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) Well, I think there's a really interesting thing that happens, right? We, we break apart these subjects. We say English or history, or we do these things, right? We we compartmentalize. Humans do a great job at compartmentalizing. And then we put you into a structure as a child where your day is based on these compartments, right? And then there's this prevailing thought that, well, it's a zero-sum game. You're going to be good at something and not good at something else. Right? That's, that's just like a prevailing myth that goes on where, no, it's pretty much going to happen where, like, yeah, either you're going to really, really be good at English, you're going to be a wordsmith, and this is going to be, oh, poetry, but listen, your math, you're going to be terrible, right? And we take that onto ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. We, take that, we take that societal reflection and we put that onto ourselves. So it allowed a way to of protecting myself because I could just write off English, right? I could write off reading an English class and go, well, listen, math and science are my game, right? That's where I'm comfortable, baby. That's where I'm going to live, <laughs> right? This is, that's me. Right, English, that's for the birds. I'm out. <laughs> you know, it allowed, but then what happens is um, really math for me was just easier, right? Yeah. It didn't require the level of work because I didn't have to plan, right? All I had to do was sit, <laughs> which is not easy, right? <laughs> but, but I'm interested in it. I could, I could sit and I could 
I could start repeating. Okay. So like there is learning that can happen through repetition, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously. Sure. Yeah. Um, and that really is how learning does That's how occur. learning goes, right? right? Like right. you cement these things through repetition, right? And you get to, you get to a point where once you've gone through these behaviors and these repetitions, then you can start to get to the why of things and why they work the way they do and how this goes, right? So there's this process of learning that goes on throughout your life. And, but we're, like, how do you teach someone to learn? How do you do that? I don't know. I don't personally know. I know what my journey was through this, right? So math for me was an easier thing because first of all, my frame around it was different. My mindset around it was, this is what I'm good at. So immediately the stigma is gone. So I can sit there. It's easier for me to sit there and pay attention then. It's easier for me to copy what's going on and work through problems, but also too, there's a logic to it that I really enjoy, right? So I think people undermine how much art and beauty there are in what appear to be rigid things, right? So there is a lot of abstract thought that has to go into math. Mm-hmm. I, I work with computers, right? I work in technology. So like when you are solutioning, when I'm writing software uh-huh. and I have to come up with solutions to problems, that's a really creative endeavor, right? Sure. That engineering, right? It really, it's, it's engineering. It falls in, in engineering. I work specifically in site reliability engineering. The, the ideas of, it's kind of a, a wide, wide gamut and, and I'm trying to solve problems to empower other engineers and to keep overall health of an entire infrastructure and, and keep people as well aligned. There's a lot to it that I really enjoy. Circle back. So the art though, and the beauty and the creativity in math and in science and in these things that people don't associate with creative endeavors, Mm -hmm. right? So I love doing like Sudoku puzzles, right? Like I'm a huge fan of it. And there's a pattern to it. There's a, there's a repetition. There's, there's a, there's a strategy for solving those puzzles. There's a strategy that you go to every time to solve them and you can read about it or you can learn it as you go. But there, there is a a method for it. Right. Mm -hmm. But, the thought when you're learning it, right? And the thought process you have to go to and the abstraction that you have to go with, right? Like think about even numbers themselves. It's an abstract concept, right? Like I don't remember when the zero, when, when the number zero finally came into. My son actually recently told me, he read it in some one of, the, one of his like fact books. Yeah. And he's like, you know, zero isn't a number until I'm like, and just and stuff like that. And, and he's six and he's, he's highly gifted and he's got some other things going on as well. Um, but yeah, to just to hear him talk about like, like how he found that so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's a really interesting thing to think about, about how numbers, all of these things are completely abstract concepts. Right. Right. Units of measure. Right. So we break, we base units of measure sometimes on physical things. Sometimes they're arbitrary. Um, I mean, you, you base, what is it? A, a meter is based on how far light can travel. You know, there's like these, how these things are broken down. But those things, think about really what it is, the abstract logical leap to get there, right? So for me, math 
was one of those creative endeavors. It was something that I enjoyed. It was problem solving. It's logic, right? But in like English class or something where I had to plan a project uh-huh. or I had to plan out anything. That was more than just the problem right in front of you. That is more than the problem in front of me, right? Yeah. And that is, I already had, so again, my frame already going in was that I'm not good at this. Yeah. So I've already put a barrier up, right? So again, compartmentalizing and, and just trying to shove that off. So I've already put up a wall, which is already blocking me from trying to figure out a solution. And then again, not knowing how to verbalize what this is, right? Because, okay, I look back now on these things and I would think about the anxiety that I would have. I'd be given a project, right? You've got to do a five-paragraph essay. You're young, five-paragraph essay. That's really not that hard of a task. But it's also an extremely hard task. Yeah. Right? (laughs) And they go back to those days I think about sitting in that anxiety of not knowing what to do first and not knowing because they would give you tips you got to build your outline you got to put no cards you got to do these things but but what if I'm not looking at the right thing what if I'm not getting the right information and what if I don't put my outline together right and what if I uh, see the, the what if monster that was just uh... oh man right and then that that starts spinning that yep. that analysis, right? And you get stuck, the uh, paralysis by analysis kind of thing too. Yep. You get really stuck in that feeling. And I go back because it's like, oh, well, you just need to start your outline, right? You just need to start your notes. So I think it was an episode of the podcast or it was the YouTube video you did with with Jessica, yeah, yeah Jessica McKay of How to ADHD. Yeah. yeah, you you mentioned she was mentioning having a hard time. There's one bill she's having a hard time paying, and you're asking why? What is it? You know, you've got it. It's it was stuck on her to do list, right? And so really, like, okay, think about my notes, right? My notes when I was young. That's the first thing on the to do list for to get this paper. Notes. We'd stay stuck on the to do list all the way up until the time where I didn't turn in the paper, right? And then, because that to-do was blocking the other to-dos, right? Mm-hmm. But you asked her, you know, well, what is it? You know, why can you do auto pay? And, and then you got to the point of, okay, so really the first step of the to-do is how do I pay this bill, right? Or it was something about like, how do I set up auto pay, whatever, yeah. you know? And that for me was a big, Huge, you know, you've got those moments. I forgot what they call them. You know, the light bulb moments, ahas, the aha yeah. moments, right? And that concept of, well, man, like I'm stuck because there's a there's a subconscious part of me that knows that there's an incongruency here that sees this item on a list, mm-hmm. this to do that says send this letter, right? Sometimes, really. So subconsciously, right, I can feel the incongruency. I can't necessarily register. And and then how it shows itself, the symptom that shows itself as avoidance. Right. right. And then with that, so one thing that comes a lot with our symptoms 
every symptom has emotions tied to it. And then, so this like avoidance behavior Mm -hmm. that comes up, man, there's a lot of shame and embarrassment that comes with that, right? There's a lot and that hurts and that, and it is, and those are things that carry with us because it, it then is a repeating pattern of failure, right? And it's a, it's so hard to break out of that. And, Mm -hmm. and so again, maybe the, the item on my list is to mail this thing out and I haven't done it because you know what the real first thing is? Find an envelope and then- <laughs> Or find the bill. <laughs> find a stamp or find the bill, right? Like, these things of like changing that frame, understanding this, but again, being young, I didn't have that tool set yet. Yeah, so yeah. all I was, you know, I'm stuck in that anxiety and I'm not turning in projects and I'm not starting things. And, and the whole time to- knowing you're different. You know there's something about you that that your flavor, your brain flavor doesn't match the others, right? right. Like like I see a lot of vanilla. You're, you're like see, a pistachio in the in the options of, of vanilla and chocolate. Right. Right. You know, and and you know nothing wrong about it. But you know it's different. And again, don't know what that means. You don't know how to rationalize that. You don't know how to process it. And I remember one time trying to explain to some fellow students how I solved uh, certain, certain problems with multiplication. Mm-hmm. And it was blank stares. <laughs> because for me, numbers have shapes. And when I do math, there are a lot of shapes associated. Are you synesthetic at all? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. So for me, it comes with, uh, so numbers have shapes. Numbers also come with associated feelings, which is interesting. Mm. So I have comfortable and uncomfortable numbers. Interesting. I do have some numbers I'm neutral about, but I do definitely have comfortable and uncomfortable numbers. What are some of those? So like 11, 13, those are comfortable numbers. Seven uh, is a comfortable number. 21 is a comfortable number. 19 is an uncomfortable number. 17 is an uncomfortable number. Do you know why? Um, they have, they have some, some sort of, so there is a, there's a man, I forgot his name. He, who can, he's the guy who could recite the, the digits of pi down to some crazy, okay, number, yeah, yeah. right? I believe they, they put him on the autism. Spectrum, yeah. yeah. Right? I heard him on NPR once. Yeah. Right. So those things, right. Right. There's a lot, a lot tied together with ADHD and OCD and anxiety and autism, right? We're really those, we're close in flavors. Right. Right. Like we're, we are not in the middle of the the neurological bell curve. No. Right. And that is, you know, our brain structures are more similar than dissimilar. Right. And so he has a very firm shape and feel and color to his numbers. Mine aren't as defined as his, uh, but I have that similar you know, a, a similar kind of thing. And so for me, it comes with a little bit of emotion too. So I would have, I would have these moments, you know, cause it's kind of also too uh, obsessive thoughts, right? There are these things that occur, like these anxieties with mm-hmm. ADHD. And if I was in the car and the radio was set to 12, it had to go to either 11 or 13. Ah, okay. Uh, it just had to like, 
it's just, no, it's just. And did you, at that point, did you recognize that like, that seems weird that I have to do this or is it just like a. I knew that. So it wasn't an overwhelming behavior. Like it wasn't like, it wasn't so much that it was getting in the way of my life. It was just little, little things right? mm-hmm. like um, how I lace my shoes. The, they mirror each other. They, so like there's a things, symmetry symmetry, right? Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of things that I do that are right. I'm particular about patterns in some things about um, some of these symmetries. Right. But then my desk is a mess, right? There's certain things that are, or there's like order and disorder for me. Right. Well. No, I, like, yeah, totally get it. It's, it's, it's a really common, that's like, a really common thing. Yeah. I mean, even for me, like my, you know, uh, my, the, the kind of productivity stuff and time management, all that kind of stuff. Like I do, you know, I think pretty good with this stuff at work, at home. That's a whole other story. Like, and it's funny. I, I had this, like one of the, these sort of, you know, uh, palm to, to, you know, forehead moments. Yeah. Like, I'm like, wow, I have a hard time, like, maintaining my projects at home. I wasn't using any kind of list at all for anything at home. Yes. And I just started using a, a small whiteboard on the fridge. And it was like, how did I, how did I wait so long to do this? It is like, right. you know, and it's, it's funny in, in some ways. And, you know, it's like, really? No, it, it is funny, though, because those things that we compartmentalize, because same thing. There's a lot of different ways. So in my professional life, there's a lot of different ways and techniques for doing software. There's mm-hmm. methodologies. And so agile, place I work, agile methodology, right? Talk a little bit about that for listeners that don't know. So agile, about. so the idea of um, keeping project structures and, and how you review work, setting up sprints, keeping... Keeping an eye on, and when you say spring, talking about a, a more of an intense focus for a short period of time, right? So what you do is you set up, right? There's this idea of you have some window of time, uh, whatever you set it to be. You could do a one day, you could do one day sprints if you want to, one week, two weeks, one month, mm-hmm. okay? And then you take large, take large projects. So we call those epics. So you take a large project, then you break that down into constituent parts. So even before that, though, assigning priority, right? Looking at do a kind of priority matrix, you know, the idea of like what's actually, what's important and urgent and. Just so hard for people with ADHD. It's like they, they look at it because everything is of, of equal importance. Every, right. Everything is, well, it all needs to be done. Right. <laughs> right. And so that's an interesting thing too, because sometimes what I, what I do, I get, I'll get stuck in that. Right. Well, it all needs to be done. Right. So where do I start? And what happens is I won't start anything because I will feel guilty putting my time toward one thing because that means I'm not putting my time toward the other mm-hmm. thing. Like, I, I, that doesn't make any sense, <laughs> right? Like, oh, what am I doing to myself? So sometimes to reframe that, okay, I, I call it like a, a pain-driven workflow. Okay. What, you know, look at the list of things. Not what I think like needs to be done right now. What thing is causing me the most pain okay. or eating the most time or basically like, what am I going to get the most benefit out of? But mm-hmm. looking at it a different way, right? Looking at it from what are these things is hampering me or hindering or blocking other things, right? Looking at a pain driven workflow. The things- bring this back to the agile. So yes. yeah. So prioritizing work, setting up 
so taking your your large epics, right? Breaking those down into stories, uh, you know, actionable parts that you can work on. Assigning time, because you need to understand how long they're going to take, right? So like trying to be honest about, and so there's different ways and there's different strategies for doing that, right? So even um, we, you can do um, the, um, not Pythagorean, uh, the... What's the uh, one, one, uh, two, um, I, three, uh, Yes, five, I know. Uh, um, <laughs> my son actually knows this. and um, Oh, people are screaming uh, right now. Uh, I do it all the time, too. Uh, uh, it hurts. Uh, <laughs> uh, for anyone listening, if we haven't edited this out, Eric and Fibonacci I, sequence. Fibonacci, amazing, yes. yes! <laughs> there it is, all right. <laughs> It's such a win. That was such a cool, it was such a great moment. The anxiety, the, the stress <laughs> of both of us here, and then the celebration <laughs> of the win. Ah, oh, I love it. Okay, so Fibonacci. So one, like one thing you can do is Fibonacci. So you take, okay, I'm going to assign this a one, three, or one, two, three, five, eight, um, 13, right? Like I'm going to go, I'm going to go through in case you're not following a pattern, it's like you take the first two numbers and the, the sum is the next number, and then you take that, and then it's... Yeah, those yeah. last two and the yeah. sum, and, uh, you know, again, Fibonacci and Google, if you're not sure, but... This is the most math thing we've ever done on a single episode of ADHD Rewired. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so uh, one thing you can do to try to estimate time on a task is do a Fibonacci. And, and I like to do that because what it does is it gives me a firm constraint I have to go with. Right, so if you thought a task was going to take you an hour, how would you do that? So if it was an hour task, then I would give it a one, right? So if I'm going to break it into units of hours, okay, right, that's going to be a one. But then sometimes what I do to, to buffer in, because if I think the task is going to take an hour, then by default, I'm not including like uh, research. So set up teardown, right? Yep. You, I, I heard you mention that one time. Yeah. That was another light bulb for me about the three parts of everything the, setting uh, it up healing it like the paper monster yeah. right how to beat the because again big thing i am guilty of is i don't take into account set up and tear down uh -huh. and that is actually a massive time investment yes. right it is a huge yes. thing and not doing that like i'm still it, these are things that i work on all the time right? that's the constant with adhd with we're always working on it. Always working, right? Always working. It is a labor of love because I'm getting better and better and I'm understanding more about myself, right? And so- In a sense, it's, it's we're trying to crack the code of you, right? Yes, absolutely, right? I'm trying to- That might be an episode title. Right. <laughs> Cracking the code of you, yeah. That's, that's good. Yeah, getting into you and understanding and just setting up these, these structures for yourself so you, so you can really- benefit and work to and just live with peace you know and living with what you know you can do right and um so if i think it's going to take in take an hour then i'll probably go to a two okay because it's the I, next in that sequence i know that there's going to be setup and teardown and there's also there's going to be context switching that occurs because when you start a task, you've, so like when you've made, when you've started it, that doesn't mean 
that you are yet invested or really churning on that task yet, right? Because there is, when we switch back and forth to different things, mm -hmm. I mean, it takes a while That's right. to establish that flow, right? And there's things that you can do to help yourself. Like I really like, uh, you've mentioned before, the breadcrumbs. Mm -hmm. It's a really powerful thing to do because sometimes we over, not sometimes, a lot of times, um, we overestimate our ability to remember, okay? Big time. Big time, right? And so this happens a lot where we will try to hold too much in our brain. I mean, this is oh, so, so guilty. And, you, and not just people with ADHD. People, no, like everybody it, it, does everybody. this. Everybody, this is and, a and people who And people who, like, even people who have a, a, a large capacity for that perspective memory to keep the list in their head, right? The whole notion of just because you can do that does not mean you should be doing no, that. Right. Right. It's killing your your bandwidth for for, oh. for creativity, for problem solving. Holy moly, does it ever because you I have this idea, not this idea, budgets. Okay. We budget for finances. So Yeah, one, I totally have a budget for my finances. One thing. Totally. Well, but here so here's one thing. Like one thing, one thing, so many one things, but one more thing. My wife and I, I had a friend that I used to work with was using uh, YNAB. You need a budget. Yep, yep. Okay. And he showed it to me and I was like, oh, they've got a really nice app, like ties into your bank account. Like they've got YouTube videos. I've heard really good things about it. It's great. So here's, here's one of the best things about doing a budget. Don't worry about being great at it, right? Don't, so many things I go into now, I frame with, you're not going to be perfect. This doesn't need to be perfect because it's progress over perfection, yes. right? Progress, man. Like that, that is the thing. And because progress feels good. I know <laughs> progress feels good because we all have that, that feeling like when you've, when you've been able to tackle something or even in the moment, something that's exciting that you get through, it feels good, right? That progress feels good. Mm -hmm. What doesn't feel good is anxiety about worrying about, about perfection, right? Right. And not even just the, the, how you feel about worrying about it. Do you, when you just realize you spent 10 hours working on something and it was good 10 hours ago yes. and you just spent that trying to get it perfect. It's sort of like the, um, not that I ever had this experience, but like in college, the one night stand and the walk of shame. You're like, why did I do that? Right. right? right. Uh, not that I ever, that, you know, somebody else told me about that. <laughs> right. I hope my wife doesn't listen to this one. <laughs> We're just going to kind of hide that one. Uh, <laughs> she stopped listening, I think, after episode like 30. <laughs> right. We're going to be all right. Then. This idea of budget budgets and also with that, so I want to touch on the perfection thing real quick before we go. I'm <laughs> look on your face right I now. Got, I was like, I'm trying to hold on to five thoughts at the I same got, time. I got budget. I'm, I got my, I got my notes and I'm putting an arrow to budgets. Okay. <laughs> One thing I've got all these, like these different tools and these processes, right? You you got to build those up. So one thing I try to think of is the, the, the 1090. Um, and so there's a lot of things that apply or 90, 10, there's a lot of things that apply to this. So, this idea that 10% of your 10% of an effort will actually get you 90% yeah. to your goal. Yeah. Okay. And 
there's an additional 90% of time need 90% of the project is actually that last 10%. And you've hit 90, like that's actually more than passable usually. Like I, I don't want to put it into grades. I, I hate the whole grade system, but you've got 90% of it. done. like, you might actually be done, right? Yeah. That last 10% a lot of times doesn't, doesn't need. So like, I try to keep, keep in mind like this, this, you know, 90, 10 kind of, kind of thing, like remind myself that 90% of the way there is there. Right. And you know, a question that I, I frequently ask myself is not just, does this really matter? Is how much does this really matter? How much? Right. right? And so often I catch myself when I, when I do that, I'm like, you know what? I could be done with this. Yeah. Right. Cause there's, there's always more, especially if you're doing anything that is, is creative and even just in, in your eyes, right. It's, there's always something more you could add to it. Yeah. Always something, always something more. It's never done. Right. It's never done. And, but sometimes like we just have to say it's done for now. It's done for now. Right. And that is okay. Like that is absolutely okay. And so getting back to budgets. So finance, just understanding where your money is going. If you're just using your budget just for tracking at the beginning, Mm -hmm. because it's the same thing with time. You talk about doing stopwatches and timers so that mm-hmm. you understand because limited commodities finance and time mm. right you need to budget both right and that's why i mean schedules are hard right but i started doing my bullet journal you're right? holding up what so it looks like a oh i made it looks like a big wallet so it's a uh i like to make things okay um and there was a traveler's notebook okay that i really like so does it so it like it. four by six maybe yeah uh, it's Three. pocket size so okay. it is yeah it's probably four by six ish so uh it is a piece of leather uh folded around a pocket notebook with an elastic strap to okay. keep it closed um and i saw one online that i loved that was 35 dollars I was like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it myself. I'm gonna make it. Like, so I copied it exactly, right? I copied it wholesale exactly, and I, it keeps it. I fits in my back pocket. That's the most important part. Like, there's certain things I've understood about myself that need to be done, uh-huh. right? Like, needs to be to go with you. Needs to go with me, right? Like, I keep a pill fob on my keychain because I know that. And it's a pill fob too. I had to get a new one. I had to get one that fit more comfortably in my pocket because it was distracting. My old one was distracting. So I, I recently, well, not recently, a year ago, the, the, cause I have one of those that, that screws in, you know, on the, yeah. the and the, 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 it got stripped or whatever. So I lost it and it took me a good year to replace it. Yeah. And it's like, and I finally got, I got it. I'm like, it's, it's one of these things like, why did I wait so long to do that? Right. Right. Like what? Those, the uh, the no brainers, right? Like the this was pretty obvious from the jump. Like, <laughs> but well, at least I got it done now, right? right. Like, I did it, and it's the same thing. Like, I need to have my pill fob, and my pill fob needed to fit more than one pill yeah. because I have again one of my routines. I know for myself, I have to at night have my backpack. 
pack. I need to have my, I eat my breakfast bar. That needs to be also in my backpack. I need to have my shoes. I need to have my hat. I need to have my clothes laid out. I need to have uh, my, I put my, there's a bracelet I usually wear. And see, I'm not wearing it today because I didn't do my routine last night. Uh-oh. I get out my socks. I put my bracelet that I like to wear around my socks. There are these things that I do that I have to do for myself, right? I've actually been thinking about doing it because I'm starting to work out at a, at a gym. And, and uh, um, so I've been getting all my, my gym bags ready the night before. And because it's just, it's doing it the, the day of. Like last week, I I, I, I scrambled to, to get myself ready to go to the gym. And um, I totally forgot a change of underwear. Right. So it was a, um, it was a kind of a, it was a, it was a free day. And then, well, then you're like, Right. What comes with that too? You're, you're kind of upset with yourself, right? Like you can hopefully, you can hopefully laugh it off. Right. You've got that little flare up though. of Did I really like, (laughs) I know better than this. And like, how could I have forgotten? You know? So I was having this habit of every single morning having to run. Luckily I, my commute's long, which is awful, but, um, I at least like I live close to the train station so I can walk to the train. But I was in this habit. I had to run to the train every morning. And I hate having to run at 7 a.m. to the train. And and I'd be pissed off. You really pissed off with myself, right? And I'm like, one of those things, like, I, I can't I just get get it together. Like yeah. and then when you can sit in that for a moment, right? Really important. To sit in those in those feelings and to understand, right? You gotta process through. Why one of the so important for me and for people with ADHD is the emotional part of it, right? Like understanding, sitting in the emotion. What is this like? Being being a passenger and being an observer. It's about the shifting from the judgmental why to the curious why. Yes, because once you get to the curious why. You can start going, okay, what can I do different to avoid this? Because one thing that is harder to measure, but is also on a budget is your executive functioning. Yeah. Right. There is a limited capacity. There is a limited capacity. And so when like myself, and I know I'm not alone, when you wake up in the morning and the first thing that you have to do is in a blind fury, get ready. And then you have to make decisions about what you need for mm-hmm. your day as you're already rushed. Yep. So you're burning up a real quick burst of executive functioning as you're trying to recall everything that's going to happen that day, everything that you need, everything, right? And the emotion, again, the emotion that comes with it of the frustration and the, oh God. Right. So looking at that and going, okay, I can offload that. I can, I can pay in to my executive functioning budget by the night before when I'm not panicked, Mm. when I can take a second to calmly review what's coming up to get these things ready. Right. Like, and it, and then that too becomes then part of a bedtime routine, my sleep health or, you know, sleep hygiene. Mm-hmm. working on it not great i'm always working on it always working on it 
right? And that mm-hmm. progress, progress, right? Progress, not perfection. That's right. We're making progress. And I think as long as I don't stop working on it, I'll, you know, it's either one thing will happen. I'll either eventually get there or I won't, you know, but I'm not going to stop working on it. Right. Not going to stop working on it. Right. And working on, you know, sleep hygiene and, and working on that, getting that routine. And so that prep for the next day becomes part of that routine, right? Mm-hmm. Because routines, such an important, such an important thing, right? I think a lot about routines because I think about, there's this like this polarity in routine. There is when you establish a routine that you're getting into, right? And that is working and it's good and it helps. And you're helping that executive functioning budget because you're not expending the energy to keep those things queued up, right? Right. To keep those things active. And then what I find, so again, the, the polar of that though, is when someone has enforced a routine on you. And I thought about that a lot recently. And I was thinking about why, because I've said, I will never work a job again that forces me to be at a certain place at a certain time. And I think a lot on the train, my commute, my commute is at the best three hours a day. Oh God. And it, it talk about, I just want to let take a moment there and just, uh, uh oh, more, more the loss of that. Oh my oh, God. So many people do it too. Right. And like, one thing that is still a part of the day, right? Like that is part of, that's away from home. That is time. So it's like, I try to utilize that time, right? So like picking up one of the reasons why I looked for a mindfulness app, because it was like, okay, I listen to podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts, which ADHD Rewired is one of them. Uh, and I try to keep my brain learning and firing but even that though sometimes it's too much right like sometimes if i'm listening to an educational podcast that can be that can contribute to kind of burnout after a day i'm still Hmm. trying to work my mind so for me that that totally fuels my so it depends it depends on what depends on what happened that day depends on where Hmm. where i am like there are days because one thing that I would have before at work, before pre-diagnosis, pre-understanding of ADHD, I would have what we talked about before I mentioned to you, I would have these click around days. And, it would, and I call them click around days because there'd be days where I would sit down at my desk and I had work to do, but didn't know how to start it. And so I would find myself, I would all of a sudden realize I've been clicking between just different browser tabs or between different apps like chat window, terminal, browser, chat window, terminal, browser, boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, I've been clicking around (laughs) all day. Like what the hell happened? Right. So when I found out about the possibility that I had ADHD, I started trying to implement 
some like Pomodoro timers, things that would kind of let's kick get me. let's get into the yeah. the discussion about the diagnosis. Uh, yeah. So in a moment. What, what I want to do first, though, is yes. take a quick break. Absolutely. Because um, we're a little bit out of our routine, we're taking this break a little bit late. Um, <laughs> but since this is a very math intensive episode, I just wanted to share that I did a little uh, a little little math as you were telling me that you you commute three hours uh, a day. Oh. And so I did a, a um for if you do that for forty eight weeks out of the year, so I'm you know putting some time off. Mm-hmm. Seven. 120 hours, dude. You, uh, could, you could write a book. Uh, divide that by 24 real quick. Divide that by 24. 30. You know what that is? Huh. Say that again. That number. 30. That's days. That's full days I spend <laughs> commuting. All right. With that, let's take a moment of gratitude. If you're if your uh, commute is anything less than that, yeah, you know, and if it's anything like mine, which is, uh, you know, I, I actually doubled my commute when I moved. I went from three minutes <laughs> to seven. <laughs> so um, with that, we will be right back. I want to thank all of our patrons who support us each month at Patreon, especially John and Laura, who helped us meet our January goal of hitting 65 patrons. So as promised, all patrons are going to be invited to an ADHD rewired adult study hall. We're going to be doing this one on February 27th at 8.30 a.m. Pacific, 10.30 Central, 11.30 Eastern. Adult study hall is where we all work together in a group as body doubles while we work on stuff that we tend to put off. We met December's goal. We met January's goal. Now it's time for February's goal. Our goal for February will be to hit 82 patrons by February 28th. That means we need four new patrons a week during the month of February. This is very doable. If we hit our February goal, this month's reward will be for all patrons. They will be invited to a patron-only mastermind session where two people will have the opportunity to experience an ADHD rewired hot seat. All patrons will be invited. Only patrons at the $5 a month level or more will get a chance to sit in the hot seat while everyone is invited to offer you ideas and ask you questions. More information will be posted in the next week or so at Patreon. To learn more and to become an ADHD rewired patron, go to ADHDrewired.com slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And thanks. Join me and the host of ADHD Rewired's newest podcast, ADHD Essentials, Brendan Mahan, next week for our monthly live Q&A. We do this every second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 12.30 p.m. Central, 1.30 Eastern. To register, go to ADHDrewired.com slash events. Get your questions answered live on the show. Website again is ADHDrewired.com slash events. And we are back. So uh, right before the break, you were about to get into uh, the story of your diagnosis. Yeah. Uh, So my uh, almost seven years ago now, um, I randomly through friends met a met a woman that I just clicked with. Um, It was that. You know somebody that got me mm. like that really understood me 
And we started seeing each other and I felt so, it was amazing because it was like, wow, I've, I've met somebody who totally gets what's going on yeah. in my head and my thoughts and like my emotions and like totally relates and has the same experiences and like some slightly different, but, but gets it, gets the ideas. Like she would be particular about how certain laundry gets folded. No problem. Like, because I have certain things that I'm particular about, like I totally understand. Right. And she, mm -hmm. She'd be really grateful, like, oh, thank you for putting up with me. And I'm like, no, for me, it's zero effort to change how I fold something. And for you, it's peace of mind, right? That's sort of how I feel with my wife, too. It's like we sort of, we accommodate each other. Right. You you accommodate. And like, and having somebody that understands that accommodation, the need for that, too. Yeah. Right. Because that, how a pair of pants is folded, either quartered or third, and a lot of people don't care. But, for someone else, that is actually kind of a point of anxiety or a, or it's unsettling or it's yeah. just, it's out of place, right? Like, so like when my wife yells at me every time, not yells, but like every time I have, I leave the sponge upside down <laughs> or like I use the wrong sponge. Like there's the one that gets the food off and the other one for actually with the soap. Yeah, right. Uh, and I'm, and I'm always screwing that one up. Right. right. Well, no, it. <laughs> I love because my wife and I are really similar on, on some of those things too, right? Like some of those like hygiene kind of things. Some of those, you know, we're, we have a lot of similarities there. So it, <laughs> it makes things easier and then we had a lot of good compliments. And so, um, we, I was going through some rough times. Uh, my, my mother had passed away. Um, God, how long had that been? Quick math. Uh, so that had been like two years prior. I'd, I was trying to keep the house that we were living in. I had, I had, I was working at a bank and I lost my job for not meeting sales goals and things were, things kind of rough. Like I was trying to finish, uh, at community college as well. Just, you know, I'm wandering, I'm trying mm. to sort things out and I'm desperately putting myself into debt, trying to hold on to this house because I thought, well, my grandfather bought that house and he moved the family here and, this is, I need to keep this, right? This is something I need to do. I have to, I have to, right? That expectation on myself of like, no, this is something I need to do. But not knowing how to ask for help, right? I've gone through so much of my life not knowing how to ask, how, how to approach asking for help, how to approach that vulnerability because there's things that happen where it's just, I'm supposed to know how to figure it out. Right? That expectation I put on myself, so that's part of that perfectionism too, right? No, I'm supposed to know. I'm supposed to know this. I'm supposed to learn this. I'm supposed to understand this. And I, it's okay that you don't. Yeah. But that getting to that place, like getting out of judgment, that is really hard, especially when you're stuck in it and you're financially strapped and you're stressed. And when I think about, I felt really, I remember in high school feeling really burned out and wondering if I might've been bipolar. Like I, these thoughts that come up, right? Mm -hmm. Again, knowing you're different, not knowing why. I remember the feeling of being burnt out and I look back, I reflect on it now, right? I was constantly 
I'd go to a class and I would be anxious through the entire class because it was a class that I wasn't turning in work and I was either failing or borderline failing, right? And go to the next class and it's another class that I'm not doing the work and it's a mountain of work that I'm behind on. Mm. And I'm failing or I'm near failing. And I go to another class and I go to another and I go to math. And, totally reminded me of, of high school. <laughs> well, right. And then think about the emotional strain that then I'm under all, I was under all day because of that. Like, yeah. wonder why I felt burnt out, right? The anxiety that comes with it, right? And then you, and then one thing to protect yourself, and I feel like this happens pretty often. I know I did it. Again, reflecting back, it's easier to say that I was lazy or that I didn't want to mm-hmm. because that was something. Or I don't care. I don't care. Right. Oh, I don't care. I don't like doing homework. I don't care. Whatever. I don't care. Because that is something that I could protect myself with. Yeah. And it was something I could c- control. Right? Because my, I didn't know my ADHD symptoms were ADHD symptoms. Mm-hmm. And it was something I couldn't control. because I didn't understand. And I remember being young and my, my mom, because the conferences, teacher conferences, right? Again, uh, going back to seventh grade, advanced math. I get pulled in to a room just out of nowhere. It's all of my teachers and my mom. And she's, she didn't know why she was there. She got called in for like an emergency. I didn't give her any context. She, she thought I might've gotten hurt or I'd gotten in a fight or something. Oh gosh. Right. And they sit me down. Well, well, we've, we've decided that we need to pull Matt out of the advanced classes because his other studies are hurting putting too much focus on math were you doing okay in math yeah i was doing fine because it was easy it wasn't wasn't an effort yeah right it's easy for me but the the heartbreak because that failure Mm. that time in a room of adults right that feeling and it was just oh there's a those moments, right, that just hit and they hit and they, they stick, right? And those things take a while to process through. It takes, it takes. Well, I, I remember uh, last week I was giving a, a presentation to a, a PTA group um, in, in Evanston and uh, I was sharing about uh, some of the experiences that I remember in, in grade school. Um, and, and I was getting choked up talking yeah. about something that happened to me in second grade. Right. You know, it's like those, those things, they you come, know, they don't leave you. They come in at formative times. Right. And they do a lot to shape how you view yourself and how you label and how you compartmentalize. And I don't like the saying time heals all wounds. Time gives you distance to allow you to reflect. That's how I feel about it. And that's how I look yeah. at it because it's not time that heals it because those things aren't healed just by waiting them yeah. out. And I remember when I, lo- when I lost my, uh, my dear friend, uh, Gabe, uh, to an overdose when he was in his early twenties. And, um, and that was one of the hardest things I've, that I've went through. And, um, I remember thinking like, I'll, I'll never get over it. I'll, I'll just, I'll get used to it. I'll get used to it. Right. Yeah. And that, yeah, man. What's that, coming up for you? Because when I said that. Oh, that hits heavy. Yeah. It's like that. 
your friend that came to addiction so often rooted in shame and these feelings that don't get healed with time, right? And I don't know what burden he wore, but I know for me, the ones that that I, that I carried for so long, right? And I can relate to that. And people with ADHD who addiction is a, is a huge thing, right? You think about it. You don't know what your symptoms are. You don't know that they're symptoms. And then we try to do things to cover that up or, or push it. Right. And And so at getting older and met the woman that would be my wife and she pushed me to do things I was uncomfortable with. She wanted to move back to Chicago. She was finishing college. Where were you then? Uh, We were living actually in her, so my father-in-law and stepmother-in-law's basement because I ended up losing the house. Power was shut off. um, And I (laughs) was saying this last night to my wife. I, as far as in-laws go, I win. Mm. And not just in our relationship, like blanket, across the world awesome. i win because the support and love from this group of people get <laughs> that is welcome because family is not just what you're born into it's the people that accept you right mm-hmm. and this adhd is a family as well it's this community and it's a the beauty the beauty that comes from the love that other people show you is outstanding and they let someone that they hardly knew right but their that their daughter cared about we'd only been together a month at that time they let me move into their home right they trusted in her that she had found someone that was good right and then they took the time to get to know me and love me right and love me from the start too they started with love. They led with love. Mm. And that, well, and, and my, my wife's mother as well, she was living in Massachusetts at the time. So much help financially or advice, anything, right? Same type of thing. She also led with love. And I am eternally grateful for those people because it's just something that you, you can't put a value on, right? That support, that support system. So, my wife would push me. We, we push each other in different ways. I help keep her in the moment sometimes. I help reel her back, right? Well, I started my bullet journal and she wanted to start one too. She started looking into it, but she didn't have the right notebook. And she wanted something that got a, plenty of notebooks around the house, right? Didn't have the right one. And I'm like, well, here, here's this notebook. Ah, there's something already written in it. Okay, well, here's this one. Oh, but I don't, I don't like the graphic on the front. Okay, well, here's this one. I don't know if this is the right size. I was like, okay, well, here's what we're going to (laughs) do. We're going to use this as just like your training bullet journal. It's like, but if I'm going to start it, I'm going to want to keep using it. Or like, I need to get it laid out for a while. Here. Like, honey, we know it's not going to be perfect, right? (laughs) And so like that moment, we're able to laugh about it and acknowledge like, okay, you know, and so I can help sometimes pull her back. I mean, she can pull me back too, but um, we, we just compliment each other really well that way. And she can push and she can, she can go toward a goal. She, she can lean into the uncomfortable mm-hmm. 
more than I can at times, right? And I'm so grateful for her as well because she wanted to get closer to Chicago. She she really likes it. And um, she was also finishing school. She was finishing her degree. And so it's intensive. She was at school a lot. And having to commute an hour and a half each way, that that's not really feasible with the course mm-hmm. load and with the work, right? So through my anxieties, you know, like it, she organizes and she does all these things, right? She helps keep, helps keep the things that make me anxious. She can, she can help take that on, right? So we move and I ended up getting my first like good job and feeling good. And I'm like, wow, I'm like, I've got an adult job and I'm making money. And then this feeling, these feelings that have been there started be- becoming louder of you're not supposed to be here. People are going to find out you're a fraud. Don't screw this up, Beardsley. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be out in your keys to here, pal. Right, that voice. Yeah, yeah. And the more, the, the better I would do, the more I would learn because there was this goal. There's a goal line, right? There's a goal line of if I learn, if I do this and I learn this and I can get to this thing and I can get to this title or I can get to this salary or I can get to this, then I will be whole. I will be, I will uh, have achieved every time I move forward, that line moved farther away. Mm. Mm. And I would realize, okay, well, I just learned this, but I learning this made me realize how much I don't know. And the closer, the farther I would move, the farther that line would move away. And that feeling, which now I know is imposter syndrome, right? Of I'm going to get found out. People are going to know that I, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, I kind of know what I'm doing, don't I? No, you don't know what you're doing. Well, but I swear, like I was able to do this. Nope, people are going to find out. You know, when you're saying that, I just finished uh, listening to the audio book, uh, the, the new uh, book by uh, Dan Harris, uh, A Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics. It's, like, <laughs> it's, it's the sequel to, to A 10% Happier. Yeah. And he has this meditation in there. Uh, I mean, it's it's great because it, it really talks about the, the importance of humor in meditation. Yeah. Right. And he has this meditation in there where he talks about it's the meditation is called uh, Welcome to the Party. So anytime that you have a, a thought of judgment, a feeling, a, whatever it is, just, you know, welcome to the party. Welcome. Yeah. And I <laughs> yeah. love that. It's just, you know. Right. It's like, right. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be enough. Welcome to the party. Welcome to the party. Right. <laughs> so, right. Just like, yeah, that moment to like reframe, right? Yeah. Just like kind of put that little welcome to the party. Just welcome it with humor, you know, like be an observer of it. And and that those feelings become, though, when you don't know how we don't have that tool set yet, right, yeah. are heavy are really heavy. And I would go to work and I liked my work, liked my work. And that made the risk of failure yeah that much worse yep. and i would go to work and i would have there'd be this weight and it was a weight that i carried my whole life it was it was a weight i carried into a lot of different things it was this on my shoulders this heavy this assumption of something wrong was going to happen when i was in high school i was in i we had a competitive 
there's a audition bands that you have to try out for. Where'd and, you play? Uh, trumpet. Okay. Um, now I play a little bit, of, you know, a uh, little bit of guitar and ukulele as well. Um, and you said that very authentically. I try to. <laughs> There's some things I try to be respectful of if I can. Uh, there was an audition. Uh, I tried out for the, we, we called it Jazz Workshop. I got in. I always had this feeling I wasn't supposed to be there. So I played trumpet for a couple of years uh, and, and I think starting in fifth grade. And, you know, I, I always had a good ear for music. Yeah. I could not read a, a note's worth of music, but if I heard it played once, I could I could do it. Right. High school auditions, you had to read a new piece of music that you never saw before. Sight reading, yeah. It didn't show up. Yeah. Oh. Because I knew I was found out. 100%. 100%. I had, I had skipped previous auditions because of that same thing of that fear. Nope. I'm going to have sight reading when we found out. Blow it. It'll fail anyway. Why, why try? Why show up? Right. So that feeling of you know i got into this band i was accepted the the band director is skilled and he's talented he knows what he's doing and the band was successful we got to go a worldwide competition we got to go to new york we were accepted one of 12 schools across the world that got to go and i st i don't belong here there, there's four trumpets in the in the section if one of them is that bad? You're going to know, right? You're going to hear it. It's going to be. It's going to be obvious. You can't put that context on it though. And the when you that age and when you're that young, right? So it was this this imposter syndrome that had been traveling with me, but was was getting worse. Like the better you get at something, the more better. that imposter syndrome. Yeah, the better you get. The, mm. the worse it is because all of a sudden you you're exposed. You learn more, and you're exposed to more people, and you see than what you think your goal is. Oh, well, this person, oh my God, the, the, their achievements, a lot of comparison of other people, right? Yeah. And, and then you put that idea on yourself that you need to be that thing right now without any recognition that there is a process. There's a process through to get to that point, yeah. right? And so being at work, having this weight on me this armor because then what happens is because you think you're a fraud you're afraid to ask someone for you're, help you're in fear mode you're in fear mode because you're going to be found out and then you really have to trust somebody before like certain people that you know trusted more or i was more comfortable with i would go I'd ask i'd ask them a question mm -hmm. right well they person doesn't always have the bandwidth to you know, answer the question, right? There are 150 people I could ask the question to, but I'm not comfortable doing that because I'm going to be found out. Or, you know, we use, we use chat apps all the time to communicate. And I can't ask in a, one of those public channels because there's too many people and some of them are managers. And if I ask this question and if I don't word it right, then they're going to know that I really shouldn't have this job and I'm going to get fired probably. Or... I mean, it's just going to be found out and people are going to think I'm dumb and, and people are going to think I'm stupid and I don't want people to think I'm stupid. And then there's going to be, oh God, this. And that. all of that thinking happens in like a split second. Oh my God, in a moment, right? All of that comes crashing. And not only the people won't think I know, if I don't 
phrase this sentence properly. Or I also have to deliver a little bit of information in the question so that there's a bridge there to show what I do know. Right? And the better I would do, the farther. And my wife, we weren't married yet, but she would say, you know, I I would be really distraught sometimes about, I'm I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. I need to do this. And I need to Mm. do this. And she's like, look how much you've achieved. Like, look what you've, you know, look where you were just a few months ago. Look, but I'm not far enough. Right. So she was on, she was also on her own journey of self-discovery. And she was working through her emotional trauma and her anxieties and her, um, she, she ended up going into Overeaters Anonymous. She was realizing that she had this pattern with food, right? Of it being a way to cover up, right? It's, mm. it's a way, it's something to go to for those emotions, right? The, when there's that flood or it's something that you lean on. I like graham crackers <laughs> <laughs> and warm milk. That's mine. <laughs> but there's this thing that happens like food. So addiction, yeah. it's kind of in a yeah. whole like, it can be applied anywhere that the behaviors are the same. Yeah. There's shame and there's fear and there's hiding and there's all of these things. And there's, you know, these things show themselves in different ways. You can be addicted to exercise, yeah. right? You can be addicted. You can be addicted to driving your car. I mean, you can, it's a, it's a mindset, right? right. It's a, and it's, it's not about the thing. It's not about how you thing. think about the thing. It's how you think about it. It's how, it's what that thing does for you. Right. And so she was going through her journey. And she was working through it and she eventually found a therapist that she really connected with and she was working with and doing a lot of work and she's getting new tools. And, and I feel like I need to go, I should find a therapist too, but I'm benefiting so much from her therapy because she learned, she's got all these tools that she brings home and teaches me, right? So all these things about communicating with your spouse. Oh man, wow, have I learned a lot about how we as humans communicate with each other, right? And what we do, and I've learned that what an apology actually is, Mm. right? Say more about that. So through my life, an apology, and think about so often, I'm, you say, I'm sorry for X, but Y. Okay. And the Y is your explanation of defending yourself for right. what you did wrong. Right. So I'm sorry, X. And sometimes X is offensive. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're being an asshole. Or I'm sorry, <laughs> you know, like there's this thing, there's this load. I'm sorry you're too sensitive. <laughs> right. I'm sorry you're being sensitive, but I just tell it how it is. That's not an apology. That's a firm stance you've rooted your heels in, right? I did that all the time, right? You're so accustomed to that. That is how, that's how you hear apologies delivered, right? But learning that, I can say, I'm sorry for hurting you. Mm. Because it doesn't matter what your intention was, right? Because here is the thing. So you tell, tell an off-color joke. That's, a, that's offensive. You find it funny? Why don't they, 
Stop being sensitive. No. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I offended. Yeah. I and then and then here here's the other part of it. You offer how we can the the constructive, right? Change the apology to sorry for, you know, because it, it's about your emotions, your feelings, and validating. Yeah. yeah. And then saying, I will be much more mindful about what jokes or I won't I won't be so light about this subject right I you know that path forward because then you've taken that time to reflect if you say I'm sorry that you're being sensitive because I just tell it how it is that's a defensive position that's not a reflective that's not that's not an empathetic position either right and I think even it's the the uh uh you know, saying I'm sorry and um, offering what you're going to try to do next time. Exactly. Like, I, one thing I learned, again, she goes, she goes to therapy, she brings these tools home. I would, I have, um, I can have a short fuse, right? I can have this explosive. There's a lot of things. Well, I should just tell her to stop pissing you off then. Right. Be fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can be super laid back mm -hmm. most of the, a lot of stuff and roll right off. But then there are some things and I was reading the other day about this concept of like emotional flood. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh man. I totally understand because there's that point where something would hit and all of a sudden I am not with it. Yep. And there is no, and it's a loss of control. And then what would happen? So I'd have this big blow up and there'd be some catalyst, right? But then, but then anything after that, the stimulus after that is just, doesn't matter what the stimulus is, positive or negative, it becomes fuel. And the, the executive functioning part is gone at that moment. I'm flooded. Oh, yeah. Hijacked. Hijacked, gone. completely yep. gone. So learning that sometimes it's okay for, to walk away. Mm. Oh, it's totally, I mean, there are... I'm a pretty laid back person. There's not much that makes me me angry. Yeah. Um, but like when when I get, when I get to that point, like I'm not safe for human consumption. No. Like I just need to go like remove myself from from anybody else because I'm gonna say something that I'm like, I'm like I don't know who that was that said that because that wasn't me. Oh, right. I I will scream myself hoarse. <laughs> I will throw things at me. Mm. There is this because there's this comes up. It's a flood. And then there's also a frustration because my brain's not functioning properly and I can't process what the emotion is. And so sometimes, you know, I'm learning about this now and sometimes if I would hit that point, my wife would say, you can walk away. Yeah. And I would go and then what a lot of times would happen, right? I'd have this big, these big blowups and then the release after that and generally sobbing because the that loss of control it sucks oh my god it's terrible it's like for me that's one of the worst things in the world like i i don't like being in that place so so through her therapy right i'm learning these new tools and i'm i'm benefiting massively from her involvement in the anonymous programs and her going to therapy and like her work her personal work and her bringing that back into our relationship, like, so 
those communication skills, holy moly, just mm. communication, communicating emotion and feeling because those are so important and understand. And then when you think in that way too, then you're thinking about someone else's emotions as well. Mm. And what, what my action, regardless of intent, has on that, right? I, I, I have a, a, you know, a, a, a duty to that, to that reflection. Like not your emotion specifically, right? Like that's something that is going to come up that can't necessarily be controlled. But my response to my emotion and how I handle, you know, yours, your responses as well. Right? So she, she's going to therapy and she's going through this and she comes home one day with, uh, I wrote down to make sure, she came home with delivered from distraction. And she said, my therapist thinks I have ADHD and recommended I get this book. And I started looking through it and things are making sense. Mm. And she wanted to share it with me. She shares with me what the work that she does. She's very open about it, right? It's super important, very open about that. And, um, and we trust each other that way too, right? That it's not a judgment. Right? Like I, I've shared with her things I haven't shared with anyone else, right? It's not a, there's no judgment there. And, you know, cause again, She's got parents that lead with love. She also, you know, lead with love that way. And so I started looking through the book and I'm like, whoa, this is making sense. A lot of this is making sense. A lot of this is making <laughs> sense. Right? And there's like the questionnaire that we, yeah. that we did. And I was like, this isn't just making sense. Like this is putting pieces into place. Mm. And one of the first things that I listened to a lot of podcasts, first things I did, went into my app and I typed in ADHD. Your app was one of the first things that popped up. And listening to your experience and the experience of others because there's so much, so self-help can be hard because you can be reading a book or you can be, you know, you can be looking at material and you're putting, you're putting what you understand of it. You're processing that way. But, listening to other people tell their stories. There are things that I can relate to, right? I hear someone tell their story and they'll make some comment and I'm like, oh, totally. And then you have feedback for them. And then I can also use that feedback, mm -hmm. right? So it's different than just like reading a book or, right? Because there's this experience, right? Sharing our stories is so important because of that. And you've talked a lot before about mental health professionals not, you know, being told not to share their stories. And really, I, I like your take on it. Share your experience, share what you can, but don't share the things that you haven't worked through yet. Again, the whole not putting a burden on your client, not putting, <laughs> not putting that weight, right? But we learn through so much. We're social creatures. We learn so much through other people's experiences. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how we work. And so to hear other people on the podcast, or, I mean, mainly it's one of my biggest sources, uh, podcasts, YouTube videos. I mean, a lot of audio and video, I, reading can be harder, right? But listening to people and then listening to the, I jumped around a lot. I just picked random episodes. Yeah. Best thing I could have done, just random episodes, right? And, I listened to episode one though. I listened to your story. I listened to what you had to say. You mentioned starting medication. 
feeling normal. And I had never felt normal. So, contacted my wife's therapist about a recommendation for a psychologist and met with a psychologist and worked through and gives me the diagnosis and I go get my medication. And I, by the lead up, the lead up to that first appointment, I was so worried I was going to go in and he was going to say, you don't have ADHD because I was so worried. That, That's really common. Oh my God. I was so worried that this thing that seemed to explain so much wasn't going to be it. Right. Yeah. Nope. Still going to be it. Nope. Nope. Not for you. Right. Still. And so I, it was a Wednesday and I took my medication. Uh, I take a, take a train into the city. From the train station, I take a shuttle to my office. I took my medication while, uh, right when I got in the shuttle. It's a 15-ish minute ride. Walked into the lobby of the building, and the song Pressure Drop by Toots and the Maytals was playing over the lobby speakers. Love that song. And that moment, standing there, and then having this reflection of, huh, I'm just at work. I don't feel, I'm not wearing the armor right now. Huh. I'm not wearing the concrete shoes. I don't have these things pushing me into the ground, trying to stop me from moving. And pressure drop was on. That's awesome. <laughs> oh my God, the, the coincidence in that moment. <laughs> so beautiful, right? These simple things that have so much beauty in them. One, of the, one thing I did, and for anybody who is in my place where you haven't gotten your diagnosis yet, when you start, before you start taking medication even, uh, keep a daily log. Once you learn what symptoms are, keep a regular daily log of your symptoms and how you feel about them. Because I, in preparing for this last night, I read through my notebook of when I started medication and I treasure that I kept those notes because I wanted to make sure that I, I was keeping track of my symptoms and, and these things. And I, that day at work, I got in and I didn't, I didn't feel goofy. I didn't feel, no, I just felt like me. I felt mm. like me without the anxiety. I felt like me without the guards, without the armor and got into work and I had to read through chat conversations from the night before related to an incident. And I'm reading and my phone buzzed in my pocket but it wasn't your phone's buzzing in your pocket. Phone's buzzing in your pocket. Better get that now. Better get that now. <laughs> no, phone buzzing in the pocket. Mm. Reading. Going through. Comprehending. Got to the end. Oh, I read. I read through that. And I was paying attention. And I, I was actually like awesome. looking. And thoughts that would come up were able to be, oh, no, that doesn't have to be in the forefront. Right? And then at stand-up that day, Listening to a coworker and not interrupting 
having one of the beauties of being on medication is that it can give you pause. Pause. That is, yeah. wow. Neurotips, right? <laughs> Neurotips have pause. Yeah. That moment to say, this doesn't need to happen right now, right? I don't need to interrupt this person. I can let them finish their thought. I can jot a quick note, jot a quick word down, right? I don't have to interrupt them, right? And I can listen to them. And then having technical conversations with people, I would have to do a lot in conversations of saying words back, their words back in my head. Even with that, I would be saying their words and other thoughts would be going on at the same time. Oh, yeah. And I would find myself, I would be so focused on like one feature. I would end up looking at like one eye so intently that the rest of the frame would blur out. These things that would happen to me before. After Medicaid or when I, when I started day one, I was able to have that, have that moment to just kind of sit and reflect. And I was actually able to listen, comprehend. and if I needed someone to repeat something, I could ask for their help. I could ask people for, for help. And all of a sudden, without realizing it, it, it took reflection on it to realize, oh, I didn't feel like a fraud today. Mm. And going home and being able to say like, I felt like I was supposed to be there, right? And four days in to medication at, that night telling my wife, that person that I had been trying to be, that goal, that, that thing that I'm already that person, right? Like I'm already that, I'm already there. I'm that person. Like I can love myself. And but just really, you know, part of this now is looking back and taking my life and reframing the context around a lot of things. I talked to you before about, I have this gut reaction when I just hear someone just blanket say, ADHD is a gift. Now, I understand the absolute importance of putting a positive frame, mm -hmm. 100%, but I don't want to diminish the acknowledgement. That I don't want to diminish your achievements and my, and my achievements, how hard I've had to work it. How hard I struggled for 32 years, how much shame, how much pressure, how much emotional dysregulation, right? We have an increased likelihood of suicide, of addiction, teen pregnancy, uh, anxiety, right? You have 0% chance of teen pregnancy, by the way. <laughs> I have 0%, <laughs> luckily, right. Um, sheer biology on that one. But higher likelihood of engaging behavior right, to get right. somebody else pregnant. Right. Right? All, all kinds of stuff, yeah. All these things, yeah. right? And so- we that really owning the wins, taking you made it into adulthood, like that is a win. I have a wife that understands me and loves me. When I'm having a tough day, I can come home and I can say I had a hard brain day, and she can say, You're gonna be all right tomorrow. <laughs> Getting up, you made it to work, you're listening to my voice right now. Those are all wins, right? 
I, I mean, I, we're an hour and a half in. Like, <laughs> people, they're still listening. Like, that's right. a huge, like your medication's probably working. Right, you're probably, yeah. If you're still with us, you massive win, right? And if I can listen to an episode of the podcast, what that does for my brain and my tool set, that's a win. And so I've been having a little bit of insomnia last few nights. And I woke up last night, or I didn't wake up. I was laying awake. I got up and I was doing some reflection. I was doing some reflection about today. And I, when I go into things, I try to make sure my motivations are in the right place. Before I submitted right, the request, before I met with you, yeah. reflected on my intention and my emotion, because why did I want to do this? Because this community has brought so much to me, just as a passive observer, I want to be able to share that with others, right? Mm-hmm. If I can, one person can relate to anything I've said, that's enough, right? That's, that's a win. And then I started thinking about the beauty of what you do, right? And this whole endeavor, your practice, this podcast, that is, these are objects, these are, these are expressions of love for other people. These are expressions of just pure love and caring for other people. So I was thinking, hot man, I want, right, the podcast, I wanted to come here because I want to give back to the community. How else can I give back, right? I kept sitting in that, like, am I going to start a blog? Am I going to start my own podcast? Am I going to, like, what, I don't, I'm not going to be a counselor. Like, what am I going to do? Like, and then I started thinking about, okay, what, what would, for the community, what can I do, like, small thing that's going to blow up, that's, that's amplifies my effect, right? Those are good things to look for, right? Like, things, small things that you can do that have, like, amplification effects, Right. That either, you know, unblock other things or just clear out like clearing clutter. Right. I started thinking about, okay, what, well, like, what is something that I can provide is simply like without a lot of time commitment because I don't have a ton of time. So last night, 1, 1 30 a.m., set a timer because I want to know how long it would take. Took me three minutes and 40 seconds. I am now a patron at the $1 level. I saw that this morning. $1 a month. And I wanted to say that explicitly because I would hear every episode and I would go, yeah, I should do that. But what am I going to give a dollar a month? But here's the thing, right? The ocean is full of drops of water. I can give you a dollar a month. I get a dozen, dozen bucks in a year. Took me three and a half minutes. Sorry, just over three minutes, 40 seconds. Give you a dollar a month. And, but that dollar is amplified because I've put it, it's a vote that I've put in you because, because really, right, as people, a lot, so much that we do, the real vote that you have is, is in how, where you put your money. If you have a choice over it, where you put it. I'm putting a vote in you and a trust of confidence, right? Because I know that that dollar is going to go to you every month and it's going to be used to spread knowledge and tools and love, right? You're going to lead with love and that dollar is going to be amplified by what you have in place. And like that for me is a win. Every month now, I can proudly, I will proudly say, I give you a dollar, hopefully, I'll review the budget with my wife and I can give more too, but I'm not going to put that expectation on myself yeah. right now. Right now, a dollar, because if a thousand of us 
did one. If a thousand people joined me in the dozen club, I'm going to call it the dozen club. I like it. If a thousand people joined me, that would be a thousand dollars a month to help you, right? Put this through. Mm. I don't have the time. I commute at best, my best three hours a day, right? I have to be realistic about what my time commitments are. I would love to be able to do something more in the community. Right now, though, I can absolutely give a dollar a month, right? Like I can win off of that. And the, because what I've gained from this financially, time, the tools, right? This is a free service that you provide and the tool set that I've been able to gain now and work and finding out about myself. And you do it because you understand you're a member of the community and there is love there. That's a genuine way to love is to share knowledge and to share experience, right? And I want to thank you for that. It means more to me and so many other people than you can even imagine that you led with love blindly into this community because I've gained so much. I know so many other people have. And I can be the piece that this show and the guests and the guests too, any, any other guests listening that have shared their message, like, thank you as well. Like, you're a winner. You won, right? Like, and go, like, go back to the things that you thought were losses before in your life and reframe. Think about what happened before. Like, how much of that, like, we do these things called retrospectives. The whole idea is that you go in and you look at a situation without judgment. You go in and you look at a situation knowing that you did the best that you could with the knowledge you had and the skills you had at the time, right? And really bending the world to you and playing to your strengths. But playing to your strengths only can really only work if you understand with love and compassion, your weaknesses yeah. and the, your voicemail, right? That is a win. That is a win because that is honestly something that is done with an honest reflection, right? It is something for people that don't know, like your voicemail says, please don't leave me a voicemail. <laughs> right? I'm not going to get back. Because it'll, it'll just, yeah, it'll, it'll just it'll, go in the shame bucket because I haven't received it'll a call. It'll go in the shame bucket, right? So by being honest about that yeah. and approaching your weakness with love and with humor, you could then what you're doing is you're asking for help in that yeah. you're not being selfish. You're actually being very respectful because what you're saying is I don't want to offend and I don't want to leave your priorities behind. Right. And if you can help me communicate through a channel that I work better in, yeah. right? Yeah. That is actually very respectful. And also what it does for you is then shame is removed. Yeah. Anxiety is removed. You then have paid into your emotional and your your executive functioning budget, right? You can be then better for other people, right? If you want to be good, if you really want to be good for somebody else, you have to be the best that you can be, right? I look at the relationship between my wife and myself and we take the approach that it's not 50-50, it's 100-100 yeah, because it's like two that. people that need to be at their best to make a great relationship. Yeah, yeah. And with that, I just really, to wrap up, want to say 
life has been hard. It's okay to say that. Yeah. It's everybody's struggles. There's no struggle of someone that undermines someone else's. Everyone has struggles, right? They're different. They look different. There's different ways that we react to, but claim and own the wins that you get. You woke up, you got to work. Even if you didn't get there on time, you got there. That's a win, man. Like take those things as a win. Yeah. Like I schedule, you scheduled yourself five minutes. Nah, say 10. You scheduled yourself 10 minutes to give a dollar to Eric on Patreon. <laughs> Win. And I swear we didn't talk about this before. No, we so. did not. I, I sprung that out of him. I swear I did. I'm not, I'm not a paid endorsement. Um, and so, yeah, just and reflecting and reframing and looking back because now I can look back on that experience I had in high school at Jazz Workshop. Yeah. I, can re I can realize the feelings I went through at the time, the thoughts I went through at the time, but now rewrite that, reframe that and say, no, that was a win. I did something special. I did something that I really enjoyed that I still have friends from, one of my best friends. We, were, we played trumpet together in that jazz band. Uh, one of my other friends played drums. My other friend played saxophone. Like, uh, one of my friends played trombone. Like, I have friends that I still communicate and still see from that band. That was a win. I still have those connections, right? Changing how we view it and just so important, especially because of the self-diminishing behavior that we can have of undercutting our own achievements or, or just diminishing what we've really done and what we've put in yeah. and just own it and own your wins and lead with love. Let's end it there. Matt, thanks so much. Thank you, Eric. This I awesome. really appreciate it. This is, this is fun doing this in, in office. Yeah, you know, this it's, is great. Uh, I'm glad we were able to yeah. be close to each other. Yeah, like no, it's awesome. Um, so thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for allowing me the platform to do it. Um, and for allowing so many other people to share their experience because the, again, the amplification and the ripple that comes is, yeah. is a beautiful thing. And it's amazing when I, when, uh, people hear about the, the podcast and they share it with somebody else and, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing to think that this thing that I do, that I get to, that I release the, these interviews every week, it's truly changing people's lives and yes. has, and I, I pinch myself on a regular basis. Like, this is my job. Right, like, right. damn, how did I, I get so lucky? I get to like, do this. <laughs> You're right. Like, I get to do this for a living. Like, like I get to do yeah. this. I get to do this. I get to be a part of this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, speaking as you. But now I also get to say, I get to be a part of this, right? Yeah. And so even, you know, not to harp on the Patreon thing, even if you can't give money, <laughs> share, sharing the podcast or sharing with somebody who's neurotypical in your life. Mm. Because, Sometimes that now people that love you don't always understand right. what you've gone through. Right. Right. So sharing this as a resource for them as well. Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. And you can, uh, and you can care a lot at uh, ADHDrewired.com slash Patreon. <laughs> oh, you get a chance to put that in there. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, if you are still listening, you're awesome. Yes. Thank you. Um, and thank your psychiatrist as well for getting your meds right. Cause you're, you know, like, if you're not, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I'm going to just end that tangent there. We're going to end messily because we can. We can. Yep. That's right. And it's okay. Yep. We're done for now. Yeah. Let's cue the banjos. This is Eric Tivers. Thank you for listening and congratulations for making it to the end. 
ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. The website is ADHDrewired.com. You can find summaries and additional resources for each episode. Learn more about the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group and sign up for my email newsletter to get exclusive content that you won't get anywhere else. It's all at ADHDrewired.com. Support ADHD Rewired and help replenish our coaching group scholarship fund by becoming a monthly patron at patreon.com slash ADHD Rewired. Different levels of support get different perks. You can give just a buck or three or five bucks a month or more. Every little bit helps. And it's an awesome way for you to let me know that you value this show the community, and everything else we do. That's patreon.com slash ADHD Rewired. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Tivers. Subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube to see select interviews and other videos I've made. The ADHD Rewired community is now a secret group on Facebook, so that's one less reason to not just be a passive listener, but to be an active member of our community. Fill out our short screening form at our website, ADHDrewired.com. We screen everyone before they join. Podcasts change lives. You can make a difference in someone's life by spreading the word about this podcast. Mention it in your online communities or on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, Quora, or wherever you hang out online. And be sure to share it with your friends, your family, your clients, as well as your coaches, therapists, and doctors. If you're a member of Chad or any other ADHD support group, be sure to tell them about this podcast. You can even show them how to download it on their phone or even do it for them. And if you really love this episode, please hit share on your podcast player. I'm only one person and I count on you to help me spread the message. One of the biggest things you really can do to support this podcast and to help other people discover it is to leave an honest rating and review on the Apple Podcast app or on Stitcher or any other podcast app that supports and accepts ratings and reviews. Looking for more ways to listen and learn? Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial at Audible by going to audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. Need some ideas on where to start other than Brene Brown's Gifts of Imperfection, Daring Greatly, Rising Strong, or her six-hour recorded workshop, The Power of Vulnerability? Then I would recommend The One Thing by Gary Keeler. Oh, and if you by any chance know Brene Brown, please let her know how grateful I am for all of her work and what she means to me and the ADHD community, and that she's welcome on my show anytime. And in the one in like 7 billion chance that Brene, you're listening, please come and be a guest. Thanks. This is Eric Tivers reminding you, keep learning, keep growing, and keep connecting. And no matter how hard it all feels, Remember, we can do hard things. Until next time.